This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Politics Matters with Eleanor Penny. General election coverage on FUBAR Radio. I do think that Brexit is the biggest foreign policy blunder of the post-war period. period. Well, you Disco- can, I, can, I, can, can you allow me to finish? Uh, well, do you mind? Yeah, I asked you a question and you're no. ignoring it. No, I'm not ignoring the question. If you'd give me a minute, I'll answer it. come under a lot of pressure then to support Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister because he will be promising a so-called people's Let me be incredibly clear about this. Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson, I do not believe are fit to be Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Body language throughout this evening has been so contemptuous of this house and of the people. And for the benefit of Hansard, the leader of the house has been spread across around three seats, lying out. If you ask me why am I relatable, I don't, you know, how, how am I relatable? I've not the faintest I've idea. Not the faintest I've idea. not the faintest idea. This seems to me the te- uh, most difficult psychological question that anybody's ever asked me. Good afternoon and welcome to hell. It's that Friday feeling of total and utter pitless, bottomless, yawning despair of waking up to five more potential years of of a Conservative government whose one goal in office is to make my life as personally difficult as possible whilst incidentally also ransacking the country, leaving millions more kids uh, starving, homeless, leaving millions more um, waiting for key surgeries, leaving millions more desperate and unsure of how they're going to keep a roof over their heads and pay their bills. So congratulations to everyone feeling really bloody smug right now because I blame you personally for this. When kids will... When more kids will be scrimmaging through bins in their schools for just to get a basic meal. I am holding you personally responsible. And I'll tell you what, I was in, when I saw the results last night, uh, I was in the Navarra Media Studios, Navarra Towers Green Room, and uh, I was with a friend and colleague named Dahlia Gabrielle, and she clocked the results immediately when the screen panned up to Andrew Neal's face and then over to Laura Koonsberg, and she was like, they look happy. We fucked it. And lo and behold, she was right. So, I am here to offer a little uh, pessimism of the intellect and I hope a little bit of optimism of the will as well. We're going to be unpacking what the hell happened uh, and what the hell we do about it now because, of course, uh, no one here is going to be rolling over nicely for the next five years because they are far too important and far too many lives are actually on the line. Joining me to delve into the morass of uh, General Election 2019, uh, we have Grace Campbell, who is a comedian and uh, the scion of a rather famous father, who I mention only because it is politically relevant these days. That is, of course, Alistair Campbell, formerly uh, formerly in uh, Tony Blair's inner circle. And later, we will be having... Uh, uh, Lib Dem PC Charlie Hasted and Conservative candidate Sarah Kumar. Uh, and we will also be having a couple of phoners. And if you do want to get involved, um, please tweet us and we can connect you. Because, frankly, I'm just a little bewildered this morning. I'm bewildered, I'm confused, and I'm quite fucking furious, quite frankly. Um, and so I would love to talk to you. So come, bring me tales of hope, bring me tales of rage, bring me tales of fun from the outside world. Uh, yeah, so, Grace, 
Hello. How are you feeling this morning? This, uh, oh my God, it's the afternoon, isn't it? It's the afternoon. What's the time? It's three. Jesus Christ. It's nearly this, dark. The, cons- the Conservative government has already made me lose my grip <laughs> on the fourth dimension. Yeah, that, that does, it does do that to you. I'm good. I did an event with Dahlia this week. Oh, I no. met her on, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm hungover. You know, I'm sad. I'm, <laughs> I'm low. I'm looking at people on the streets and wondering how we got to the place that we are now. Mm. Um, last night, I actually was going from one place to another and I was on the tube just after the exit pole came out and I was on the Victoria line and it was so busy and I was looking at everyone and I was thinking, no one even looks like they know what's happened. Like, everyone on the tube was just like loads of really drunk, happy-looking people and I was like, have these people looked to see what's happened? Because like, I just want to cry and I want to scream and I want to know if everyone else here <laughs> is feeling the same way as me. Um... I, it's a really horrible place to wake up in today for me and you, not for a lot of people in the country, and I guess that's what makes me even sadder, is that there is such a disconnect and there is such a divide in this country at the moment. And I and I will talk specifically about England mm. because the one silver lining for me is, you know, how well the SNP did last night. My whole family's Scottish. I have a massive connection with Scotland. And I do feel really frustrated for Scotland at the moment. So I'm happy that they turned out in that to support not the Tories, you know, <laughs> and, and show that they don't want Boris Johnson's Brexit and they do want independence. And, of course, Northern Ireland. which Yeah, I, I, which I'm, was very undercovered yesterday. As, as is ever the case, right? Like, um, I don't know about you, but, like, in school... the our education about the history of Ireland, not just Northern Ireland, which you would kind of expect even on a sort of small C conservative Mm. estimate to be like a part of the history of this thing that we call uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland. There was was absolutely nothing. And it's such a key part of understanding the historical dynamics. They just take Northern Ireland for granted completely. Yeah, and I am... On one hand, I am very hopeful that the um, the DUP no longer has that's the same stronghold that it has in in Northern Ireland, and the DUP has been a deeply, deeply reactionary force in many people's lives. Even if you take, even if you know, taking out the question of whether or not you want to uh, stay in the union, it's, it's been. Um, uh, a friend of mine described it as like as though the 17th century and the 18th century had a baby and then neglected mm. it like it's mm. that bad yeah. um, but also of course with uh, Boris's Brexit deal that very much risks um, reigniting horrible horrible yeah. years of violence that people have lived through and I am um, I am hopeful but I'm also terrified for, for people that are you know I've got relatives living in Northern Ireland and I'm scared on a personal level uh, yeah. for them it is very much as you say an, a kind of a question of, of Englishness and how the English have voted. Yeah, it does make you wonder. And, and like, you know, one of the reasons that I'm here and I'm doing press at the moment is because I'm going on tour and I'm going around the UK um, in February and March. And actually, I'm not plugging my tour here, but what I'm really looking forward to actually leaving London and it is something that I don't do enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do, like, my dad has a really strong connection with the north of England and he goes to Burnley a lot, which is where... And Burnley last night switched to Tory. You know, the, the main Burnley seat, like, switched from Labour to Tory and my dad is really shocked and upset about that. But, like, he has this massive connection with people up there and, and he is... Uh, he's so much more aware of, like, what, the pe- what people are feeling outside of London and I don't think I am. I don't think I'm 
as connected as I should be with other parts of the country and I do think that is a big problem and that's why you know I wake up this morning thinking how has this happened and it's because I I don't really I don't really know any of the kinds of people that wanted Boris Johnson to win. I think what we uh, what we need to take account of is the fact that maybe <laughs> it's not necessarily that there were there was this massive overwhelming upswell of people who wanted Boris Johnson to win right Boris Johnson actually only increased um, the the vote share on Theresa May's famous disaster by something like 1.7%. The real story here is how um, Labour um, and the sort of Remain coalition failed to kind of triangulate around a real deeply embedded sense of disaffection in some you know, more traditionally Labour voting yeah. areas. Some traditionally Labour voting areas and constituency absolutely stayed with the Labour Party and that vote actually got stronger, particularly amongst, say, like ethnic minorities. And that's a story that's people. not... And young, and young people, of course. There's, um, and that's very much linked to how youth has been a proxy has become a proxy for for class in many mm-hmm. ways or just despair of you know, the fact that the planet's burning uh, i saw a poll uh, i think this morning um that if 18 to 24 year olds vote labor would have voted uh, alone labor would have got something like 600 seats which mm. is yeah but i i guess <laughs> like you know there's there's so much wrong at the moment, our, our voting system, I do think, being p- partly the biggest issue. Uh, as you said, it's not like Boris Johnson's vote went up significantly last night, but our voting system means it was very easy for him to get a majority. Uh, young people, a lot of people, I think, just don't think their vote matters because in a lot of places it doesn't. And now we know from the result last night that it does matter because... Um, in lots of seats where it swung from Labour to Tory, clearly a lot of people were turning out there. But I just think oh. a lot of young people feel, because of the voting system, you know, if we had proportional representation, they would feel way more that their vote was going to really mean something. I mean, I completely agree with you on the fact that there's clearly a deep need for um, electoral reform and also just a, a, a deeper sense of democratisation uh, in our society. <clears throat> because, you know... What we've seen over the past you know, 40, 50 years, certainly since the 70s, is a real hollowing out of the kinds of other institutions by which people would take control over their lives, civil society institutions, unions, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So the idea that democracy wasn't something that just happened once every five years with you putting a tick in a box and then trusting someone in a suit hundreds of miles away to do something in your favour is about something that you do every day and that's embedded in your life. But I do just want to push back on the idea that... Um, uh, that more people turned out in seats that switched from... No, Labour I'm not saying that. I didn't okay. say that. I'm sure. saying a lot of people felt necessarily in safe seats that their vote doesn't count, right? For, oh, yeah. In safe seats. I'm saying in not safe seats, in marginal seats, your vote does count. But I live in a completely safe seat. So my, if I was someone that was a bit like, well... What's the point in me voting? Because I live in an extremely safe Labour seat. You know, like, that's more what I'm saying. And I think if we had proportional representation, you would feel like your vote matters so much more. For sure. And I think what the the interesting story there is also around the fact that Labour didn't mobilise its uh, its base in those key leave areas. And I think a lot of people will be asking the question of, like, how... um, 
to what extent was this kind of triangula triangulation and what was supposed to be a unifying strategy backed up with the kind of messaging that could cut through Boris's bluster? Because, you know, that simple lie set around set against the background of chaos of Boris's own making, quite frankly, is a much more, shall we say, sticky message than quite a complicated um, caveat filled um, thing about a second referendum with Remain on the ballot plus we're going to negotiate a deal in all of these ways and some people I've seen saying this morning is like listen there was a case for a soft Brexit and that's what Labour should have backed two years ago and kept backing it because that's what happened in 2017 and that is one of the things that um, should that that might have saved us in this thing? I have not. I actually don't know if I agree. I don't know if I disagree. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there are lots of different reasons why the Labour Party didn't do. I mean, did appallingly. Um, there are lots of different reasons for that. And the thing that I hate this morning is that everyone is now blaming different people on why Labour have done so badly. Mm -hmm. I just want. I want the Labour Party to put their hands up and be like, yeah, we, we did mess up in a few different ways, <laughs> but we should stop this infighting, which is what we, on a public scale, are always known for. Like, the left is just constantly attacking each other. So, like, we wake up this morning and instead of being like, fuck, like, we've got to literally rise up now and fight what Boris Johnson will represent for the next five years. Instead, what we're doing is just attacking each other and putting different parts of blame on each other. Um, there are lots of, uh, you know, for me, um, I think the Labour Party's policy on Brexit has been incredibly confusing and people just haven't been able to follow it. And, and when you do think this is one, unfortunately, this is one of the most important parts of this election. I do think that their policies just were, it's, it's just been very back and forth and I'm not quite sure what Jeremy Corbyn actually wanted at any point in the last three and a half years. Um, and, and then I do think that he, in many ways, is very unpopular in a lot of parts of the country. And I, and I won't, like, when I say that to certain people, they just won't have it. And, like, that is my opinion. Like, that is my opinion. I do think that Jeremy Corbyn has been really turn-offish for a lot of people since he became the leader. I think what um, I, you know, I'm not here to, you know, to deny reality and pretend that Corbyn is an overwhelmingly popular leader, right? But I think um, what I'm interested in kind of practically going forward is to how we interrogate what made him unpopular and what were the engines of that like what was in our control and what wasn't because I think there are some things that um that are just kind of givens in that like anyone with a left-wing platform will get a um a terrible time in the media but I don't think that's the whole story and I think just pretending it like like it no is a I bit think there, are, there are so right? many different elements to it but what I'm saying is like I, I'm worried that that's not going to be properly interrogated. I know the media have given Corbyn a hard time since the moment that he became the leader, and, and they, they really treated him in so, so many ways totally unfairly. But I do think there was a lot about his leadership and his attitude towards leading the Labour Party that did not fill people with hope and confidence. I really do think that. So we are going over to um, Angela um, on uh, line one, who has been very patiently, uh, angelically even, waiting. Mm -hmm. She is a... Sorry, Angela. Sorry, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, so uh, she is a political activist and she lives in North Wales, which has been a very... Um, very fascinating area to, to keep your eye on in this past six weeks. So, Angela, talk to me. How are you feeling this afternoon? Um, devastated yeah. and very angry with, well, frankly, people who I'm looking at in the village and seeing on Facebook thinking, I, I don't recognise you. 
Mm. You know, there's a lot of gloating going on. We returned a, a new replacement Tory MP with a, a bigger majority. And, um, you know, looking at how people live around here and, you know, the, the levels of poverty, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, devastated and confused. So... I want to kind of dig into that confusion a bit because I mean a lot of people are going to be very sort of shocked and bewildered because I don't know about I don't know about you but um, I didn't expect Labour to win I just didn't expect us to lose this no. badly so what when mm. you're kind of uh, talking to people why do you think uh, what do you think the appeal of the Conservatives is in your area? Well, I suppose there's two points and you probably you've already been talking about one of them which is it's not so much that they were voting for something but there are many people who are voting against something mm. and that was the Labour Party's position on Brexit um, it was ambiguous and confusing um, the inability to deal with anti-Semitism even though I had a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago they didn't even know what it was but they just thought it was bad and you know there's a brush that's just hard Corbyn whether it's the reality or the perception of his leadership um, but going back to your point about what's the attraction, um, I think there's a lot of uh, aspirational Tories in the area. Um, my late mother, many years, voted Tory uh, for Margaret Thatcher's government twice, and yet she was a cleaner in a hotel. And I always used to question them, but Mum, why? Like, this doesn't make sense. But I think she always believed in the possibilities and the sort of the promises made by the Tories that life would be better and if you were able to better yourself and climb up the, the ladder that you would be successful and I do believe that unfortunately the Tories still represent that, it's a false mm. hope in my opinion but people like to have that sense of hope I completely agree and I also think that comes back to, you know, why the Leave vote won as well, people kind of want more for themselves and they think that that's how they're going to get it and I, I've always had this problem and I guess as I get older I'm trying to understand other people's opinions and understand where other people are coming from and I and I think that you've just put it so well that is why a lot of people voted conservative and instead of kind of like demonizing them we have to understand that 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 is really what their logic has been but I'm sorry that that's you know a lot of the people that you're surrounded by. <laughs> um, yeah, you're really in, um, in enemy trenches, um, as yeah. it were. I don't mean that. I don't mean that seriously. <laughs> full disclaimer. But um, where I'm interested in, in triangulating a sense of, of, I guess, the the hope in appropriate scare quotes uh, that, um, that the Conservative Party offers is mm. um, how I think, for, to my eyes, that. Um, not just the Labour Party, but left-wing liberal people more generally have re really failed to head off arguments um, in f uh, against migration. And I think making a positive mm. case for migration, not just on economic terms, but on the basic principle of, like, these are people who are much more like you than the millionaires trying to flog you the mm. lies that they're not, um, has really, really weakened, uh, you know, our ability to um, go into leave voting areas and plug the case for a non-disastrous Brexit that shows solidarity with people who, you know, aren't white and, aren't, and weren't born here, that kind of thing. Um, is that something that is the migration a live issue around you? Well, what I would say, actually, is I think that, you know, the mainstream media have done a completely brilliant stitch up on this. Mm. And it's very, very difficult 
to get around it. When you have a culture and a society which puts on a pedestal celebrities, footballers, you know, I don't know, Love Island, I don't watch that thing myself, but my son is obsessed with stuff on Instagram. So you, you're constantly seeing, you know, the rich, the wealthy, the people mm. who are making money and, and frankly taking the piss out of the very people who are voting for them. Um, they see them as sort of untouchable. When you come to immigration here in North Wales, frankly, it's the English who are immigrants where I live. I'm an immigrant <laughs> in Wales. Um, and, you know, when I talk, we haven't got anybody of colour in my village of about 1,200 people, nobody mm. at all. So when I talk to them and they say, yes, but, you know, they're coming here and they're doing that. And, and I say, well, where? Where are they? Mm. How are they impacting on your life? Which school places they're taken here? They have no evidence because it doesn't happen. But it's the perception. And I, and I really think, you know, programmes like... I remember having a conversation Benefit Street on Channel 5, I think it was, uh, a couple of years ago. People are still referring to the Romanians who live 15 to a room and then building mansions in Romania for their children and sending their benefits back. You can't escape that once it's in somebody's mind and that's the image they've got. To dismantle that with facts and logic, yeah. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Mm. I think um, that's uh, absolutely true in that kind of the question of how we connect emotionally and tell stories that make sense to people's, mm. uh, to people's realities and tell stories better than the right and especially the far right do is going to be one of the key questions of the next five years. Angela, it has been absolutely lovely talking to you. I hope you have uh, as good a day as is feasible in the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> I need Sending sleep, you actually. lots of I'm love and support. <laughs> Thank you, yes, I need sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll regroup. I, and yeah. I'm not giving up hope because I believe the country is better than this. Agreed. Um, and, and we will get there. So thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. And that was a beautiful, optimistic... Um, I loved her. Yeah, <laughs> what, an, what, an absolute, what an absolute champion. And I mm. think that that is very much the sense that I'm getting from, you know, obviously my um, social media um, bubble. Um <laughs> That is, um, uh, you know, so clearly partisan. Um, but nonetheless, I've been very much in touch with you know thousands and thousands of activists um, who have been out there stomping for um, labour all across the country. Uh, and yes, people are heartbroken at the moment, and people are very, very sad. But there, is, there isn't a, there isn't that kind of demoralisation that you might expect. It's very much like you were saying, Grace, that the idea of like, right, okay. We know what we need to do. Like, the next five years needs to be a fight. I know, but that's why I guess I really hope that the Labour Party, like, makes some good decisions mm -hmm. in the next few months. And I'm going to get involved in any way that I can and use the platform that I have and that the Pink Protest has, which is the, like, activist collective that I set up with my friends. Because it just means so much right now. Like, realistically, the Tories are going to be in power for two more terms. Like, with a landslide majority this big, it's going to be very hard for us to win the next election. So we need to just regroup now and put all of our energy into finding a leader who is going to unify all of the broken parts of the Labour Party and, you know, bring back a lot of those people that swung to the Tories yesterday. So uh, what I'm what I'm curious about here is that, like the possibility of picking a leader who would be able to 
I guess, avoid the sort of pitfalls of um, Corbyn, especially his treatment uh, amongst like other you know, political constituencies and obviously media constituencies, as we've talked <coughs> about, but who would be offering a platform that is, is capable of actually inspiring the same kind of groundswell um, support and the same kind of, you know, activists getting out on the doorstep, etc. Because, you know, um, I'm not here to defend the result of last night by any means. Um, Jesus Christ, no. But... Um, the weird historical cul-de-sac that we've wandered down it had, does mean that Corbyn's actually, you know, gotten more votes than 2005 when it was a victory. Yeah, but more that, votes the, the than problem is, is that like all of the support that you're talking about, and I agree that it is amazing. It does not translate into winning seats all over the all over the country, hmm. which we've seen. You know, so I do think as as amazing as Corbyn has been in connecting with a lot of people over the country, and as you say, a lot of activists and getting a lot of people inspired, kind of get out on the streets and help him it doesn't translate you know there's there there is that missing piece in terms of him and his yeah. leadership and i oh, yeah. and i just you know i i don't know who who i think the next leader should be i don't there are a few people that i will support a lot and there are a few people that i've worked with and that you know i who have, might that be well jess phillips right. um i do i will if jess phillips put her puts her name in the hat i will absolutely support her she's she's been an amazing advocate of all of the women's issues stuff that we've been doing and she's helped us so much in our campaigning and you know she's not like a completely perfect politician but i do think that she um represents the kind of labor that that i believe in and that i stand for uh whether or not she can unite the party that's something that we'll have to work out but there are a lot of things about the inner workings of the Labour Party right now that kind of need to be sorted out and will need to be, it's just going to take quite a but, long but time. Here's, here's, the, um, here's the thing, right? Um, yes, there's an issue of, um, of leadership, right? But I think two things. Um, one, I've, we need to be very clear-eyed about the fact that the policies themselves consistently poll really highly. And not, not only that... That's fine. Not only, I know that. Not only that, but also... Um, the kinds of policies in, in, the, in their ambition and, and in their scale are the only things that, you know, are actually going to haul us out of crisis. Like, right, we, we're not, we can't be tinkering around the edges anymore. It's not going to work. But also, I think what I'm fascinated by, you know, sort of, um, and why I think we need to plunge back into the culture war, which we very much neglected in the past, you know, few years. And we've just been trying to do, like, let's just talk about bread and butter issues and then forget this whole roiling storm around us, is the fact that, by challenging some really kind of fundamental emotional stories that like Britain tells about itself, um, Corbyn particularly was always going to have a really really um, hard time, and we didn't strategize around that enough. In I terms just of think like- I just think a lot of people needed to own up to the fact that he was never going to be as successful as they thought he was going to be and we saw that in the last election he didn't he you know i i think he should have left after the last election i think he should have done that i think it was quite selfish of him to say i think he should have mentored someone else who had that you know all of what you're talking about the amazing policies the manifesto was incredible mm. absolutely incredible but if he had someone else delivering that message i really think he w- we would have done a lot better yesterday and i just think it was quite selfish of him um not to leave then and so i guess like yeah what 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 i'm trying to say is I completely agree like the the place that the Labour Party has gone to in a lot of policies and their agenda is amazing I do not think the leadership was up to the job uh, and I haven't thought that for a long time yeah no I mean I think a lot of people um agree with you and I think uh, what I'd be interested in doing is having um a kind of national conversation about what um 
what leadership material means and like what what it means to be <clears throat> prime ministerial because in the last leadership debate right you know i was i was kind of screaming at the tv partly because i think one of the one of my frustrations with corbyn is that you know he's he's there to channel um and anger, the anger and the sort of righteous outrage of you know millions of people who are getting absolutely shafted, and when as a sort of performer, if you like, he's completely unable to land a punch. And I was like, "Yes, yeah. what are you doing?" There, there were just there were all of those elements missing about him. I just think like he's not got enough charisma. I don't think he has a sense of humour. Um, I don't think he. I think he has too much integrity. That sounds really bad, but like. Look at Boris Johnson. When you are up against Boris Johnson, who is an awful, awful, awful man, who has absolutely no integrity, doesn't care whether he's lied five times in a sentence, he couldn't give a shit, right? And Jeremy Corbyn next to him, he just looks like this really nice guy who, like... And this this sounds terrible. I understand how bad that sounds, but sometimes I just really wish that people on the left got as dirty as people on the right. I mean, I agree to a certain extent, right? Like I want I want a fight, right? Like I want a I want a scrap. Uh, I'm very up for that and it's definitely necessary. However, um one of the things that um make, just drives me to the edge of tears when I see this again and again and again being like, you know, XYZ leader is not prime ministerial or is not sort of leadership quality. Uh, and we've seen, you know, this is not just Corbyn, we've seen this with many, many, many kind of um, politicians of, I guess, his political leanings, is that it seems to me like a lot of people, not yourself, but when they talk about what leadership qualities mean, they're talking about... Um, being posh and they're talking about class deference. And yeah, but I'm talking, not talking about that. I know, no, so that's I said, not at all what I'm talking Oh, yeah, no, about. I said that's why I, I was like, not yourself. Mm. But, like, I think a lot of our media conversations around, like, what a good leader is is about being an extremely masculine, extremely ruthless, extremely kind of playing to those colonial nostalgic tropes and I just like I'm so much more ambitious for our country than to have yeah, a but person I think, like I that. I think you can not be like that and you can have charisma and you can hold a room like a hundred percent sure but I just think that there is um a, the idea of just having charisma being able to solve those kind of much more embedded cultural but that's not issues. what I'm saying I've already said I think Labour's manifesto and Labour's policies were amazing I think Corbyn really lacked that kind of personal thing about his character he really just did and, and that is what we saw yesterday um, and I think you can have both there are there are very few politicians who do which is why I'm living in despair all the time because I'm <laughs> like who can I trust who can I believe in who can I hope will actually get into power and change this country and, and in other countries as well you know like we, we we are hopeful in people and then they let us down a lot of the time and a big thing I did an event last night and, and we opened it up to the floor and the main thing that every single person was talking about was trust I just think we have have such a lack of trust at the moment in politicians, in the media, in public figures, and you know Corbyn has a lot of integrity. He does. So, so I'm kind of uh, contradicting myself in a way, but I do <laughs> think that there are politicians who can do both. And I think I just really wish Corbyn had kind of let someone else. Well, deliver the message. Well, the next few months are going to be very interesting on that. And um, to talk to us more about um, the past the past day, uh, the carnage therein, is um, Will. He's from London. Will, hello. How are you doing? Hey. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, you sound pretty yeah, chirpy, Yeah, incredibly Will. chipper. It's very nice to have that kind of cutting through <laughs> the sort of morass of despair that is hovering over this recording studio. How did voting go for you? Well... 
to be honest, I, I did vote, um, and I've had to sort of clarify this with my friends as well, where I think it, it's probably why I'm a bit sort of like not that depressed about it, where I kind of expected, I've kind of just given up, like mm-hmm. in general, in terms of politics. And um, I actually spoiled my vote um, yesterday. So it's, I think for me, I think the, the place our country has gone to, it's sort of like, I have zero expectations in terms of things happening. I think in terms of, I'm, I'm usually a Labour voter, and I think um, my family's been Labour. I've voted Labour in the past. And I think it's gone to a point now where I have no expectations in terms of either party actually adhering to what they've actually put into inside the manifestos. And I think that's a sentiment that's actually quite widespread. I don't think anyone actually trusts anyone to mm. actually get anything delivered. Um, and I think it's a shame for Jeremy Corbyn because personally, I don't actually, um, like, I don't get the hate that Joe B. Corbyn has been getting recently. Um, not even recently. I think the media has sort of played him as a sort of a, a person who's like anti-Semitic and all these like different things. And like, I think like he's kind of he's kind of unlucky in a sense where he's in he's in he's been pinned at a time where there's such apathy for politics in general. Where even though he's a very hopeful character and and I believe what he's saying. I think people don't trust politicians in general, which is why I think he's been in, he's, he's in this position now where, um, you know, despite the things that he's saying, no one's actually fully believing that it's going to go through. And I think the messaging as well was a bit mixed. So there's there's a whole situation right now. And did you yeah. not did you not consider voting Labour, or was it just you just didn't you didn't want to? I I didn't know what I was going to do up until I got into the right. booth um, and. What was it that sort of made you decide honestly, to spoil the ballot? Honestly, it's. I think it's just I needed a way to sort of vent my frustration mm-hmm. and the general political protest. And obviously in the UK, we don't have um, a way of voting now. There isn't really mm-hmm. a way to sort of do that other than spoiling the paper. So for me, that mm-hmm. was the only other option I could have done. So um, what, what um, do you think it would take for you to start, I guess reconnecting with the possibility of change because i mean that's a story i've heard time and time again um you know going out going out reporting and also doing canvassing on the doorstep it's it's not that the like labor's policies have been unpopular it's like it's the sort of shriveling of of our sense of collective political possibilities it's like can we really achieve change can we really trust these people to uh, do what they say they're going to do and that's just that's not a story about even the past couple of years that's a decades long story yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a difficult thing, but I think the first place which would make sense to start at is to just have consistent messaging. And I think the biggest problem that Labour had in this election was the, the messaging was all over the place. I mean, mm. you look at the whole um, Brexit issue, the Conservatives were incredibly clear what yeah. they were offering. They were saying, you know, <laughs> you know, vote for us and we will get Brexit done. And despite the fact that the, the number of times they said it, it got to the point where, like, it was starting to piss me off. Like, I, I'm guessing it pissed off a lot of people, but, like... But it, it got into their heads. Clear. Exactly. It was very, very... Despite being an absolute lie. It's astonishing, exactly. isn't it? But it was clear. Like, yeah. it was completely crystal clear. Also... I mean, yeah. So, sorry, I mean, everyone, think, everyone thinks... Uh, everyone knows that Boris Johnson is a liar. Like, he's, mm. he's specifically said things which people can disprove. And I think a lot of people know this, but their messaging was incredibly clear. And I think with Labour, the fact that they were saying, OK, yeah, we, we're for Brexit... As in, like, you know, we, we agree with what the people that, you know, you voted for this, we should do it. But at the same time, we're going to, like, you know, come back and be like, oh, actually, we're going to propose um, that we come up with a, 
you know, proposal for Brexit, but then vote against it and like an actual, like when it's an, when it's an actual like vote for the people, like we're actually going to go against it. Like the messaging was just wasn't clear, and I think people mm. caught onto that and just, you know, this is the reaction I guess. Uh, to add to that, I com- I do completely agree, and I think sorry that I, I you might feel like I'm just really shitting on Corbyn here, but I am quite angry at him, and I do think his indecisiveness really shows to the public, and indecisiveness is not really a a trait that you want? It's like, not a leadership trait. I, th- no. I think what um, what I'm curious about, and I don't know the answer to, to this at all, so genuine question, um, what, what stance in Brexit would have not fucked us over? Because, like, the question is framed in such right-wing authoritarian terms and was and and especially the the campaigns were run in a way that did kind of inculcate this um uh you know yeah. kick it like give the kick and authorities a kick in the teeth kind of uh opportunities sort of way uh which which definitely definitely didn't help help out sort of the cause of progressives um who definitely wouldn't align, align themselves with authorities so in that context like i i genuinely i I'm, i want to know even for um, even in postdoc, even so I can just sleep at night, what the hell should we have done in order to avoid being torn apart from both sides? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think there was an answer to this. I think the problem was a lot of people have voted for Brexit who are not going to be beneficial in any way in terms of the effects of Brexit. And I think this is a problem with the election that the referendum that we had in the first place. I think people have missed, even though like people know what we're voting for, I don't think people actually understand the full consequences of what's going ha- what's to happen. And I think the thing that the Conservatives did really well was, although that although they were saying, okay, we don't know what's going to happen, there's sort of that hopeful message where it's sort of saying, okay, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but at least there's going to be some kind of change. And I think with Labour, the messaging that was coming out of it was just, we should go back, we should go back to what we had before, we should... Um, you know, we shouldn't have had, we, we should get rid of the referendum, we should go back to what we had. There was a whole frustration of Parliament. And I think that's not a hopeful message for people in those sort of, like, areas around the country which have had deprivation in the past. It's like, I guess why I, would you want to I guess to I sort of disagree to, like, with you. But, but like, um, I realise that, that, you know, I'm, I'm partisan here. But for me, this was yeah. very much uh, something that I'd kind of pinned... Uh, and imagine a sense of my future on because you know I've my entire adult life has been dominated by um, conservative politics and for me that's the that's very much the more of the same regression and also a slide into authoritarianism so I do get this kind of like the 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 idea of like a strong message appeals especially yeah. when you have a, a kind of the chaos and a political morass surrounding you but like I, I'm yeah I'm just sort of curious as, as to how Labour wasn't offering change in your eyes I, I think they should have just been very clear and just said we're, we vote we've the majority we want to go for leave we're just going to stick at that I think there was if mm. you're going to try and play both sides mm. you're not going to appeal to anyone you need to be like a strong opposition and say again yeah. we're going to be the opposite of what the government I completely agree with that and I think Corbyn's saying that he, if there were a second referendum he wouldn't campaign for either side I just thought People are just seeing that as you trying to get both people to then vote for you. You just have to pick yeah. a side in this. And the Tories were very clear, and he's just not been clear. They've not been clear at all in the last three and a half years. Yeah. I don't think they would have won um, a anyway. majority. But I think the, the distance in which they've lost, I think that could have been... It probably would have been a hung parliament, I think, or something close to that. I don't think... 
we would have seen as as bad a lot as we've seen today if they had gone for that. Okay, we're going to have an actual opposition here. So, so, uh, but I think know. I think there's this sort of I mean, there's kind of um. For me, some conflicting messages, if you if you don't mind me saying, um, f- yeah. is that on the one hand you have you have uh, the idea that if the message was clear, it would have cut through some more, and the and on the other hand you have the idea of like the messages kind of don't really matter because we have this total structural deficit of trust in our politics. Um, so um, I guess how do we how do we steer between the two horns of that? Well, I guess. Uh, I don't think people actually voted for the issues. I think people were just voted for Brexit. And I think in terms of the trust of politicians, I think that's referring mainly to the idea of, you know, the day-to-day sort of like everyday stuff. I don't think anyone was actually looking at the election in terms of those issues. I think it was just purely a Brexit thing. And and honestly, you know, the Conservatives have been saying from day one, let's get Brexit done. Nobody actually knows what that means, but it's a very consistent message. So despite the fact that I, I don't know what they're going to deliver. I don't even think they know what they're going to deliver. The fact that they're saying they're going to do something about it rather than just say, OK, we're going to go back and go through a, a, an, an elongated process, which is essentially what Labour was saying. They're yes. basically saying, we're going to go through a whole another process to try to figure out what to do here. I, whereas, I think we're going to have to leave you yeah. there. But thank you so much for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. And you have a uh, brilliant rest of your day. Thank you. you. Thank Thanks, you. well. Yes. Uh, so we have um, just coming up with us in the studio, um, Charlie Hasted. Uh, we'll be with them in a little bit. But before to, you know, for some little bit of inspiration, a little bit of re-energisation to um, uh, plunge you back into the fight that we're all facing over the next 10 years, uh, let's go to Loki. Politics Matters with Eleanor Penny. General election coverage on Bar Radio. Hello and welcome back. Um, I'm your host, Eleanor Penny. I am joined in the studio by the delightful Charlie Hasted, and with us still we have comedian, auteur, actress, performer on the London stage, Grace Campbell. Um, so, Charlie, Hi. how are you feeling today? Is that the question I am asking all of my guests? Um, personally, pretty good. I had uh, I had a good result last night where I was. Um, doubled our vote share, kept my deposit, so I'm happy on that level. On the other hand, it was a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, utterly gutted about Joe. Utterly gutted. Mm. Um, oh, of course, we are talking here about the fact that um, uh, Joe Swinson, who, you know, cars on the table... We're probably going to disagree with this. I'm not her biggest fan whatsoever. But um, uh, she was one of the biggest names to lose her seat last mm. night. Yeah. So Was that a massive shock? Like, did anyone prepare it was, for that? We, so we knew it was a possibility. Um, we were hoping we'd managed to do enough to, to stop it. But 150 votes in it. It's one of those things yeah. where like, I didn't agree with everything she did in the coalition, but... By God, she was one of the biggest advocates for trans rights in Parliament. So, as a trans person, losing her is absolutely going for me. That was, it's funny, a couple of days before um, the election, because, I mean, I, you know, as as I'm sure, like, demographically speaking, everyone here has been has been hit by the cuts pretty hard. So, and, and that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the lens through which I, I inevitably see her politics. But she, you know, she absolutely has to be given credit for, for being unapologetic 
in her defense of trans rights. And that is extremely unusual in yeah. top-level politicians, including, very sadly, top-level politicians in uh, the Labour Party. And that is definitely a frontier that needs to be definitely. battled for in the next I, few years. The fact we still, we have no trans MPs, and mm. by the looks of things, we ain't getting any for a while, is mm. ridiculous. So we need it. We needed our allies in Parliament, and we're losing. We've lost a lot of them. Um, but I guess... Pivoting to the the idea of the, you know the the Lib Dems more generally, for me it, it, it strikes me that there must be a lot of kind of like mourning and you know self examination in the ranks of, of the Liberal Democrats as well as the ranks of the Labour Party because yes you know obviously there there are there are many questions to be asked of the Labour Party as the main opposition but you do have key seats like Kensington where um, a former conservative until recently Sam Gima run a, ran a stunkingly dishonest campaign against Emma Dent Code and that seat he increased his vote share by thousands mm -hmm. and delivered a seat to the conservatives by 150 votes and for me particularly in light of Grenfell that is so gutting and devastating I'm not going to lie if if Labour hadn't spent an awful lot of time trying to poke Chucka Ramuna and Luciana Berger in the eye, if they'd bust half the activists into Kensington that they did to Cities and to Finchley, they'd have taken Kensington. Why do you say that? The literally, if you look, if you look online, there's so so many activists, so many people were bust in by momentum by Labour to basically punish Chucka and Luciana for daring to leave. Oh, the, I mean, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, that's, that's so actually, you're saying if they hadn't, if they'd have used that energy in Kensington... If they'd they, used yeah. that energy in Kensington, if, they, if they'd run a low campaign in Wimbledon, we'd have four less Conservative MPs. I mean, I'm, We'd I have three more Lib Dems, we'd have at least one more Labour. So, first of all, like, this is not about punishing, right? Like, I, I, was, there, I was there campaigning on the ground in Kensington and everyone and everyone there like you know people that don't agree with the Liberal Democrats but this isn't really not a personal thing against Luciana or against Chucka you know certainly not on my part because it's just like there's so much it, th there's a world to win the question is so much bigger than whether or not we particularly dislike this one former MP and I think that's I think that's kind of disingenuous actually because yeah, the, the Liberal Democrat campaign was so dishonest in Kensington and in many other constituencies like Chipping Barnet. But then so was Labour's in other places. Like, How was it dishonest? Sorry. How was it dishonest? There was just constant like there's no anti-Semitism in Labour. There's anti-Semitism in every single party. No party gets a pass on saying we have no anti-Semitism, we have Labour, no racism. Labour never said there is no anti-Semitism in been, this party. I think we've been watching very different media then. Because I've, I've seen it all over. I've seen it all over Twitter, all over Facebook, everything. And like, I'm not, I spent 10 years working in the US, so I have a lot of Labour friends. The vast majority of my friends are Labour friends, and I've seen so many people go, there's no anti-Semitism in Labour, there's no... It's a lie. Of course there's anti-Semitism. Like I, I, mean, I completely agree with you. I, <laughs> I, I, I um, give workshops on anti-Semitism awareness training, and uh, I, I am absolutely aware of that, that you know, there is endemic anti-Semitism across our society and in the, in the Labour Party as well, and that manifests in particular ways 
in the Labour Party and there are some, there is a handful of people who have these absolutely vile views that need to be routed out. Thankfully, the, the leadership have, you know, been a bit, like been forcibly made aware that this is an urgent frontier. But like honestly, the the frustration I feel this morning when I see people like Michael Gove, who has sided publicly with Viktor Orban, saying yeah. that this is a good day for for Jewish people, he can quite frankly go fuck himself because oh, I, am, yes. I am I am <laughs> terrified, no, terrified of the authoritarian forces that his government is currently in bed with. J- Tommy Robinson today Ooh. joined the Conservative yeah. Party. Katie Hopkins think, is fucking jubilant, and that's all we need to know. I think we can all agree. Yeah, fuck that, the Tories. yeah, that's definitely not even to be debated. <laughs> and I think we the, can all agree on that. The one. legitimate racism in the Tory party is so mm. bad, and Boris Johnson has legitimised. Would you see Katie Hopkins' tweet? So, Sada Walsey put out a tweet about try about dealing with Islamophobia in the Tory party. Mm-hmm. Katie Hopkins has come back with uh, British people first. Na- we have a nationalist party again. Oh, oh so it's fascism. Great. Yeah, I love exactly. It. We had the choice, yeah. the choice between socialism or barbarism, and and like millions of people were like, hmm, maybe barbarism now. But yeah, you know, know right? it, it doesn't surprise me. Like the the world has been turning this way, and you just have to look at America. And yeah. what's really worried me with this election is it's made me think Trump's going to win the next one. Because yeah. I don't think the, the, the kinds of people that are pleased with what's happening are, are, are done yet. The UK and the state seems to be in a perpetual state of hold my beer yeah. at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think um, when we when we look at um, sort of the comparisons to Trump, not just on uh, coiffure and general sort of like personal awfulness. but the, the shape that the campaign has taken and, mm. and its sort of key motors. Um, the the reminiscences of 2016 really kicked in. I've been I've been resisting them, but I really kicked in yesterday and the evening before when I saw all of these celebrity endorsements coming in, and yep. I went, "Oh Christ! Oh shit! It's happening again!" Because there was precisely that um, disconnect. Because you know, people honestly, you know, celebrity endorsements do are are useful in certain cases, yeah. but when it's completely disconnected from um, the the reality of a Total hollowing out of a of, of left wing institutions by um, by both you know from Thatcher onwards through New Labour. Unfortunately, we like Dua Lipa is not enough. Dua Lipa is not enough. <laughs> I, went to, I went to school Hashtag. with her. Oh, I mean, this is in my Edinburgh show. I mean, tell oh. tell her thank you, thank you very much for I, her contribution. Is, but it wasn't thing is, Yeah, but as you said earlier, the young vote wasn't the vote that needed swinging. You know, nah. Dua Lipa's followers probably already. Yeah, exactly. We're going to vote Labour. It's it's I the mean, people who aren't. Mm, the, the turnout was was good. Yeah. Um. I I I'm never. I don't like that notion when we always like put young people down. But it's the people that we really needed to swing are the people that aren't on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they aren't on Instagram. Um. So Dua Lipa's endorsement doesn't mean anything to them. And uh, another kind of <laughs> another echo is of course how we've seen over the past six weeks. A continual sort of outrage, not enough actually, not enough, um, not coupled with enough genuine scrutiny and accountability, but certainly sort of a sense of monocles popping over uh, Boris lying, Boris yeah. being uh, being sort of how should I say uncouth, Boris Boris doing all these racist gaffes and 
trying to run circles around Parliament and around the media. I'm like, this is not, these aren't gaffes for him. These aren't no. accidents. This is a part of a strategy that's specifically designed to pose himself as a strongman authoritarian to appeal to a kind of far-right sentiment of, like, the state is failing, democracy is failing, we need a strong man to come in and, like, you know, knock heads together. And it's like, this, again, it's, it's horrible, yeah. horrible flashbacks to, to 2016. Like, the prob- problem is, is that when the to- people expect the Tories to lie, so nobody's surprised when it happens. Mm. Like, the Tories can lie and lie and lie, and everyone goes, well, it's just the Tory party, and it doesn't affect their ratings anymore. But, um, as... <laughs> You know, I, I don't mean to get, give you personally a hard time because, like, this is not necessarily about, you know, like, your platform specifically. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm interested as to, as to how you, um, you analyse the fact that I know a lot of people my age who have been, you know, turned off politics and turned off the sense of political possibility precisely by, A, the effects of austerity and the damaging, damaging effect that those have had on the social sphere, and, B, that kind of key historical betrayal of the student vote by the Liberal Democrats. Like, how, how do the Liberal Democrats rec- like push forward a progressive politics in the situation that, you know, these, these things that they've supported have created? Like, that seems pretty hard to me. Well, how did Labour do it? Like, Labour introduced tuition fees in 98 when they said they weren't going to. Labour tripled tuition fees in 2001 when they said they weren't going to. Yeah. They've, moved, they've apparently moved past that. Nobody blames them for that anymore. Oh, I mean, I do. So, like, no, but, but, yeah, no, <laughs> like, but, no, but nobody's going, I can't possibly vote Labour because tuition fees. Um, but, but, OK, so I think, the so, di- like, I think one there, of the differences... There's got to be a space to move past it eventually. Eventually, you have to just kind of go, OK, it was shit. I'm not going to lie. I was at Millbank. Like, yeah. I, I was I, at I Millbank. Guess, I got whacked I by guess the Warwick squad. It more was so, it was the, like... It was actually the forming of the coalition government that really affected a lot of people. I think, obviously, yeah. politicians say they're going to do stuff and then fucking don't do it all the time. We, we've yeah, seen exactly. that time after time. But it was that the Lib Dems it have was, a track record of saying they weren't going to have a former coalition with the Tory party. And so uh, I guess this time now... And it's the same what, people. So it's, it's like the same people who did it. We didn't say we weren't going to go into coalition. What we did say was no more broken promises. Mm. We're going to keep our promises. We're gonna, like, How did mm. that go? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Whoever was advising Nick Clegg on that one, mm. idiot. <laughs> where are the consequences, right? I'm just like, okay, so where where are the consequences for the architects of this? Like, where are the consequences for you know Tony Blair, who I absolutely do hold um, responsible oh, for yeah. a lot for a lot of the kind of public um, disaff- disaffection from the possibility of change and the possibility of. Um, uh, possibility of democracy, right? Like, where are the consequences for Boris Johnson when he drags the names of, like, Muslim people and Jewish people and, yeah. and uh, travellers and Romanis through the mud? That's what I feel today. I feel there that sense of rage. Yeah, but, that, but, but that's what he's being rewarded. The problem, yeah, the problem is, <laughs> like, is that that's the what's mad. Don't, don't care. care they people. just don't care. And that's what I think we just need to really own right. up to. And, like, you know, we can sit here for so long and talk about, like, the awful track history of the Labour yeah. Party and the Liberal Democrats. Yep. But the Conservative Party was voted in yesterday by millions of people who just couldn't give a shit. Mm. And we need to really... And that's what I guess, you know, when I was saying earlier, which is that I sometimes just wish, wish that we had a bit less integrity. I, I think... I, I'm not sure that people don't give a shit. I think people... Um, I do. I have spoken to a lot of people who are voting Tory who are um, very concerned about things like child poverty and oh, the yeah. NHS, but, who, but that connection isn't made to the sense of like this can change and this is mm. how you yeah. do it and restoring those links is going to take 
a lot of bloody work. <laughs> yeah, definitely in it for the long haul. But like, I think a lot of the difference is that the the reason why anti-Semitism in the Labour Party or you know racism in this and blah, 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 whatever you want to call it, or and you know the anti-Semitism we've had historically in in the Lib Dems with Jenny Tong, David Ward. The difference between us and the Tory Party is we care. Labour and the Lib Dems, we care about people that are already on the margins of society who are already oppressed. The Tories, to a large part, don't. Well, that is both an inspiring and a very depressing way to (laughs) wrap up. Grace, Grace, I want want you to tell the people... No, I've only got two minutes. ...show coming up. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to do that in two minutes. Well, Um, you're going to do it amazingly. Well, my dad is Alice Campbell, so that's number one. I grew up in politics. My dad started working for Tony Blair when I was three weeks old. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I've just done my debut Edinburgh show, and it's called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics, and it's essentially a rejection of Westminster because you know I I grew up in it and it's it's like anything that your parents do I've been constantly asked my whole life will you go into politics will you be a politician and it's kind of me just giving my two cents I'm gonna have to rewrite the show a lot uh, given what's happened in, yeah, the, last, in the last six weeks <laughs> got to talk about Dua Lipa endorsing the Labour Party um but yeah but it's also kind of like I'm a massive like crude, outspoken feminist. I talk about sex a lot. I talk about my Sweet. vagina. It definitely turned off a lot of pe- a lot of the old folks in Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> but oh, it's wow. yeah, that that's the show. It'll be it'll be fresh. So if you've already seen it, I would advise you to come back because it will be a kind of new rebooted version. Yeah. And it was a real success at the fringe. Fabulous. Well, I'm looking forward to getting down there myself and maybe taking in some inspiration and leaving politics for good. Mm-hmm behind me changing the world in other ways (laughs) exactly right it's been absolute pleasure to have you both on thank you so much thank you Grace Campbell and Charlie Hasted you have a lovely rest of the day and the same thing to our beautiful listeners I've been your host Eleanor Penny this has been Politics Matters and join us again possibly in the new year you've been listening to a FUBAR radio podcast for more information go to foobarradio.com